We are wrapping up our series, You Can Be Free If You Want to Be. And this morning we're talking about the pressures of the world. Uh, before we get there, just a quick review for anyone who's missed the last four Sundays. <coughs> We've been going through Romans 8. And the first Sunday we looked at how because of what Christ has done, and this has all been, I don't know if anyone picked up on this, this whole freedom talk has all been moving us towards Easter. Easter is in two weeks, which, if you're like me, that was kind of a shock when you realize that Easter is just right around the corner. But freedom has been moving us towards what Christ accomplished on the cross, what he was able to do that only he could do on Calvary that fateful day so many years ago. And why we gather, and why we have a hope, and why we have this freedom and this joy and this ability to serve God no matter what is going on, freedom was just one of the things that came as a result of what Christ accomplished Easter Sunday. <clears throat> and so we started off, we talked about how you are free from sin, and you are free from death. And we talked about how you are free from slavery the next week, that instead you are not called slaves of God, but you are called sons and daughters to the spirit of adoption, and that God opened the door of endless possibility for you. Because you've been adopted. You were taken out of a hopeless situation, a.k.a. apart from God, and brought into the family of God. And then last week we looked at the fact that even though in the midst of suffering, and even in the midst of when suffering is at its hardest, it's the most overwhelmed, we are still free. We can still experience the freedom and the joy because we don't go through suffering alone. We have been given the Holy Spirit who walks alongside us. When we feel weak, he is our strength. He is there. And the really good news that we talked about last week is the fact that our suffering does not last forever. Because we have a hope. We know that Christ is returning. We know that on that return, sin and death will be, will be defeated. Sickness will be defeated. All these things that are wrong with the world are defeated and we will experience a new heaven and a new earth and new bodies that don't get old. And it's all going to be good. Amen. Wake up. Come on, people. <laughs> and so this morning, we wrap it up with probably one of the most quoted passages of Scripture. If you got it on your Bible, you're going to see why I say that. Um, but before we get there, in light of the freedom, in light of everything we've talked about, what Christ has accomplished for you through the cross and through his relationship with you, question number one is, what is something you need to be free from? And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to throw it in your journal. If you have the app, there is the note portion on the app. You can take some notes to read it for your own reflection. But what is something you need to be free from? And this is not one of those, shout it out. Everyone online, if you want to throw it in the comment section, you're more than welcome, but there's no pressure because it's one of those questions where I just want you to think about it. What is something that you just can't seem to kick? Is it a temptation? Is it a bad habit? Maybe it's a bad relationship. What is something, and... When, it, when we talk about being free, we usually talk about something that's holding us back, something that's holding us down for being all that God has called us to be. So what is something in your life that you just 
can't seem to overcome? What is something that you need to be set free from? As I said this morning, we're wrapping up Romans 8, so we're in, if you got your physical Bible, we're at Romans 8.31, and we're just going to read through the whole, right to the end, and like I said, you're going to hear a lot of passages that a lot of pastors, a lot of people quote on the regular, because this is really good stuff, and I encourage you, it's going to be up on the screen, you can have it up on your phone, but what I'd actually encourage you this morning is I want you to all close your eyes, whether you're in-house or you're online, and I just want you to hear the words. I don't want you to get distracted by reading it. I don't want you to get distracted by highlighting it. I just want you to hear the words of Paul as he wraps up this amazing chapter. So here we go, verse 31. Then what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, and more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says these really amazing truths about who we are and what Christ has accomplished for us. He says, who what could stand against us if we could call God our Father and He is aligned with us, He's got our back, He goes before us, if the God who created and sustained all of all that we know and all that we see, if that God is for us, then what could possibly stand against us? What could possibly be opposed to us? Because it's just a no, it's less than dust to the God of the universe. If God is for us, if God is supporting us, if God is leading us, then who, what could ever get in our way? If God has justified you and declared you right, declared you holy, declared you forgiven, made everything that was wrong, made it right, if God has accomplished that for you, who, I love what the NLT says, the NLT says, who would dare to accuse you of anything. Who, would, who can accuse the one that God has declared good and righteous and holy? 
And if God would not even withhold His Son, His one and only, His begotten, because the rest of us are all adopted, but Jesus was His Son, His one and only, and He did not withhold even His one and only Son to pay the price that we would be set free. If He wasn't even do that, what else is God not going to withhold? What else is God going to be willing to... That's a big sacrifice. And we use the analogy, we always say, oh, if I was God, that would be really tough. Parents, you probably all agree. The idea of trading your kid for somebody else, that is an absurd idea. But God loved us, humanity, so much that he gave his one and only son to die on a cross that we would be set free. And if he's willing to do that, what else is God willing to do if he loved you that much what could possibly separate you from the love of god what could possibly and the the other thing i've been reading the nlt a lot because i'm going to reference it a little bit Uh, i love how he talks about how he talks about the in the version we read it said anything present the nlt says anything that what fear of the present or what worries of tomorrow could get in the way what sufferings could we go through that would remove us it may distract us from the love of god it may make it feel like god doesn't love us very much but the reality is is that there is nothing nothing when i was writing my notes on this i had a word pop on my head i'm like i can't say that sunday because people get offended but there's a word i was like there's not a thing that could get between you and the love of God. And the beautiful thing about that is that that should be the most freeing statement you hear all week. Because it means that no matter what you do, God loves you. Not only is there nothing in all of creation, there's no action, there's no mistake, there's no sin, there's no attitude, there's nothing you could do, and there's nothing anyone could do to you that would separate you from the love of God. You can't drop the ball, you can't fall so far that God will not scoop down and pick you up. When everyone else is against you, God is for you. That should be so liberating for our heart It should be so freeing for our mind because we just know that we know that the only person that we actually have to stand before, when it comes to the end of the day, after we have died and we stand before the great white throne, it's not going to be your parents, it's not going to be your boss, it's not going to be your social media followers who are standing there. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion because Christ Jesus is the one that sits on the throne and we get there and he has already said that you are approved. He's already said you are loved. He's already said you are forgiven. And so live in light of that. Just, I feel good knowing that. No matter what, God's always there. No matter what, God is always speaking words of encouragement. No matter what, you are free from everything we've talked about. How does it make you feel? 
And I really want you to think about those words. I would encourage you to memorize Romans 8, 31 to 39. But how does it make you feel knowing that God loves you that much? How does it, it like, I'm telling you how it should make you feel, but I'm asking you, how does it make you feel knowing that God loves you so much? And this morning, I want to really kind of unpack something because there's, there's two things at work here. And I said the word feeling. Um, so I'm feeling versus being. Because I'm going to tell you that even though you're free from sin and death, it's not, you're not going to always feel like you're free from sin and death. Even though you're free from slavery and temptation and all the things that try to hold you back, you're not always going to feel free from those things. Even though you are forgiven, you're not always going to feel like you're forgiven. Even though God has declared his extravagant love and has been poured out for you and will be poured out new for you every single morning, you're not always going to feel like God loves you. You're not always going to feel. And this is something that we talk about at every marriage seminar for everyone who's newly married, everyone who's thinking about getting married, newsflash, love is not a feeling. Because you talk to any married person, you, they will tell you, I don't always feel like I love the person that I'm married to, but I still choose to love them because love is an action, it's not a feeling. In the same way, we don't always feel like God is close. We don't always feel like God loves us. We don't always, that's because it doesn't, you're, what you're feeling doesn't change the fact that you are. That you are loved beyond measure. That you are forgiven without, comp- without question. That you are. But this is something that is really hard to understand because we live in a world that elevates feeling above all else. If it makes you feel good, just go for it. If it, doesn't, if it hurts your feelings, then it must be wrong. It must not be true. How does it make you Feel. Well, it doesn't matter how it makes you feel. What's the truth about it? Oh, no, 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 no. Feeling trumps truth, which is a direct assault and attack on the Word of God. Because I'm going to tell you, if you read God's Word the way it's meant to be read, it doesn't always make you feel good. Sometimes it convicts you. Sometimes it gets in your way and says, hey, this needs to be changed. James says the Word of God is like a mirror. When we look into it, we should probably see something that needs to be chiseled, probably needs to be corrected just a little bit because it's God's perfect word. And I hate to tell you, you are not perfect. You are going to be a work in progress every, all the days of your life. And that's a good thing because it means that God wants to make you better, but it doesn't always feel nice. But you'll read anything on social media, read anything in the news, read all the all the arguments, all the laws, it's all based on how, how does this make you feel? I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Well, I probably hurt people's feelings on the regular. I'm sorry if I do, but that's just the way it is. Sometimes the truth hurts, okay? We as God's people need to get to the point where we realize that what we're feeling doesn't always line up with what God is trying to tell us and the truth of God's word. Who you are and what you're feeling will not always line up. But if you're willing to hold on to the truth that you are loved even when you don't feel loved, 
Even you are forgiven even when you don't feel forgiven. You are healed even if you don't feel healed. You are set free even when you don't feel set free. You are a son and daughter even when you feel like an enemy of God. And if you hold on to those truths and just recognize the fact that what I am feeling right now does not line up with God's word, eventually the feeling will catch up. Eventually what you know to be true, what you know to be God's truth spoken through his word will eventually line up with what you're feeling. And on the flip side, your feelings change regularly. I don't know about anybody else. I can flip from angry to sad in very quick order. And I'm sure all of us can, can relate to that. It doesn't take much to go from happy to mad. It doesn't take much to go from mad to sad. You know, we are an emotional ball of confusion. So your feelings will change, but God's truth about you never does. And so this is why we need to get into God's word. This is why we need to be, I, like, I'm, I mean it. Take Romans 8, 31 to 39, memorize it. So that you never forget, you never forget how much God loves you. You never forget that when things want to accuse you and want to make you feel guilty and condemned for what God has forgiven you, you're like, no, God has justified me, God has called me. God has set me apart for great and glorious things. It doesn't matter what I'm feeling. It doesn't matter what these thoughts are trying to tell me. I am forgiven. I am loved. And when the temptation gets heavy and when the things get tough and we start feeling weighed down, we just declare, I am free because of what God has accomplished for me. It doesn't matter but it does matter how you feel. Sometimes you, you can't completely ignore your feelings. And I'm not saying you should. I'm not, because there are going to be times where what you're feeling is going to line up with God's word. And those are good feelings. Those are feelings that you need to embrace and recognize that this is, okay, things are working right now. But you can't allow what you're feeling to trump what God has said and declared to be true about you. So the question that I want to close with this. How can you hold on to the truth even when your feelings tell you otherwise? How can you hold on to the truth when what you're feeling is contrary to what you know God has said about you? One of the things we talked about in our purpose statement uh, study that we did for the duration of March is once you have your purpose statement written out, put it somewhere where you can see it every day. Put it somewhere where you're going to see it regularly enough that when you get tough and when things are confusing and you see distractions and good things try to distract you from God things, you, this purpose statement is sitting there and you can read it and be reminded of it. And it's going to keep you on track. And it's not just purpose statements. Maybe some of you need to take this passage and write it out on a sticky note, put it on your mirror so that every morning when you're getting ready for your day, it's there and it reminds you of the truth that God has declared over you because I don't know about you, but sometimes the morning is when I'm most volatile. Sometimes I wake up and everything that went wrong the day before is right there and I just want to... And 
the best thing I can do for my day is I got to start with God's word and I got to get God's truth into my heart and into my mind so that in that unpredictableness, when I'm feeling wrong and raw and just angry at the world, God's truth sets me back on the path that I need to be on. And maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need to just wake up to some worship music. Maybe you just need to, I don't know what you need to do, but what are you going to do to make sure that God's truth trumps what you're feeling no matter when you're feeling it? <clears throat> Jeremiah says that your heart, and this is the thing that we need to remember. God says, Jeremiah wrote that our heart is deceptively wicked. Our heart will trick us because we, by nature, are sinful people bent on our own destruction. And the Spirit of God within us is trying to keep us on the path that leads to life and peace and holiness and righteousness and good and fulfilling things. You can't always, I'm not saying you can't ever, I want you to hear that, I'm not saying you can't ever, and you can't always trust what you're feeling, whether you're in your mind or in your heart or wherever because sometimes your nature gets in the way of what God is calling you to do. Let's pray. Hey, the worship can come on up. Father, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you for the truth of Romans 8, that you have called us sons and daughters, that that you have forgiven us. You have declared us forgiven. You've declared us justified and righteous. And who would dare, who would dare say anything contrary about God's holy people? Who would dare say anything contrary about a son and daughter of the sustainer and creator of the universe? Father, I thank you for your love. Your love that knows no bounds. Your love that has no condition. Your love that you pour out on us new every morning. Your love that sets us, it's your love that sets us free. It's your love that sets us free from the need for acceptance because we're already accepted. It's your love that sets us free from needing to get people's approval because you've already approved us. God, you set our minds free to stop worrying about the things of the world and just start worrying about the things of you. And when we set our heart and our mind to do the things that you've called us to do, we find freedom, we find fulfillment. And so, God, I pray that this week, I pray even in this moment, that your love would wash over every person who's hearing my voice. That your love would fill every heart, your love would fill every mind. That we would think differently because we are loved by you. We would love people differently because of the love you pour out on us. That we would forgive differently, that we would live differently because your love changes us. And Father, this morning I pray for anyone who is listening right now that maybe has never felt the love of God has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, 
God, I pray that they feel your love most of all. That your truth would invade their mind and their heart. That they would know that you have set them free. That they would know that they are forgiven. That they would know that you are for them and you want to see them succeed and be all that they were meant to be. Father, let your love, let your truth, let your grace wash over all of us and may we be different people because the God of the universe loved us so much. Speak to us in this moment, Father. Pray this in your mighty name, Jesus.